Well, hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Players to be Named Later podcast. We're a little late this week, but I'm still Ed, that's still Dan. Say hi, Dan. What's up, everybody? And ladies and gentlemen, we have a lot of stuff going on this week. So let's talk about what is happening inside of the sporting world. And the big thing, ladies and gentlemen, is the NFL playoffs. So let's begin there. Dan, how did we do last week? So uh, I did pretty good, Ed. You picked one game more correct than I did. Yeah, but let's be honest. I I would have had a perfect week if I wouldn't have picked this with my heart. No, I wouldn't have. I lied. I picked Tampa Bay, too. Um, I mean, I went four and two. You went three and three. Um, The only, I, I guess it was an upset on Vegas standards was the Dallas-Tampa Bay game. Tampa Bay was the favorite in that game, um, and Dallas moved on. The last time we see Tom Brady? Actually, no, definitely not. Tom Brady is playing again. Um, Where? To be determined. The big rumor is he is going to be reuniting with a former offensive coordinator in Josh McDaniels. Where at? What are your thoughts on that, Ed? Where's that at? Just... For those that don't know who Josh McDaniels plays for. That is the Sin City of Las Vegas. I don't know, man. I mean, you put a single supermodel-looking, very rich gentleman like Tom Brady in Vegas. Five will get you ten. He marries a showgirl within a month. If he plays there. As long as he don't drive, he should be okay. Well, let's start there on Monday Night Football. The Dallas Cowboys 31, Tampa 14. And this is a story about Tom Brady and missed extra points. Brett Maher missed, what, three, four extra points. Insane. Um, he no longer has a job in Dallas, as although he did make one with 10-13 left to make it 31-6. to uh, You saw Dak Prescott just voice his displeasure greatly on the sideline after the extra point screaming, just go for two. That's not the leadership you want to see from your supposed franchise quarterback. Especially with a 25 point lead, right? I agree, but it, it, it's a tough to disagree with him. Could you imagine if Tampa would have been in this game? I mean, if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Did did Brett Maher actually get released? I'm not seeing anything about that. Did you just they, make that they up? They brought they brought in a new kicker. I mean, I assume you. I mean, you you go one for five. That even in baseball terms, you don't keep your starting job. You know, well, one for five in baseball, you might. Well, uh, not to not to I'm, cut off I'm, this riveting conversation really quickly, but um, we have our first official kickoff in our second game of the evening. Yeah, so, but that so doesn't matter. Might, this this is going to be a blowout anyway. You might let's get some live reaction from us here, guys, during this game, because we both do have it on. Um, let, let's talk about Tom Brady's night. 35 for 66. Tom Brady threw the football 66 times. There are a lot of offenses that don't get 66 plays. In fact, hold on. Let me see here. Let's do some math. Uh, Dallas got exactly six, or, da, 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 68 plays from scrimmage. Not counting punts, obviously, but 68 offensive plays. Tom Brady had 66 pass attempts. They only rushed the football 12 times. Tom Brady over on the pass attempts was my lock of the week last week, um, so that did cash. This 351 yards, two TDs, one interception, sacked twice, and fumbled once. They did not lose it. And it wasn't like Tampa wasn't running the football well. In 12 rushes, they had 52 yards. You know, it's, that's over four yards a pop. That That's still really good. And the other thing I'm going to say here, too, I'm going to point out, is um, this game was actually really boring. This was the worst playoff game of, mm. uh, of the wildcard weekend, for sure. Uh, agreed. Very much agreed. Uh, Dak Prescott did. He, Dak had a great game. 25 for 33, 305, four TDs. Oh, my Jalen Hurts. Only one sack, which is huge. He also rushed the football 24 times as Dallas did go over the century mark. Dallas played a perfect football game. Dalton Schultz, seven catches, 95 yards, two TDs. CeeDee Lamb had a TD. 
Uh, Michael Gallup had a touchdown catch. This, it was a perfect Dallas football game. And against Tom Brady, you pretty much have to play a perfect game. As Dan just walks away in the middle of a show. Very professional, Dan. Awesome job. I, I figured that's better than having my cat meow in the background of the whole thing. Um, sorry, what did you say? Never mind. It, it's obviously not important to you. If it was about the cow, if it, I mean, you piece of garbage, let's move on to another game. I just do want to say I did walk, I did walk away in the least important conversation of this when we were talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Well, let's talk about something that'll just needle you just a little, little bit. And let's move on to the (sighs) Cincinnati Bengals 24, the Baltimore Ravens 17. Would you like to talk about this one, Dan? Not really. Um, Where do I start? You tell me, buddy. Um, I guess I can start with if Lamar plays, I think we win. Um, Tyler Huntley, if there is one thing that there is one thing that Tom Brady has ever taught a running quarterback, it is that you go under the center and not over the center when you're doing a QB sneak, and you definitely don't stick the ball out to just be knocked out of your hands. You know, I've seen that play just so many times where guys will leap across the goal line and stick the ball out and do their best to, to, to break the plane. And I have never seen anybody fumble like that. I've seen a lot of crazy things and, and you know, it could have happened last week and I just don't remember, but I, I have never seen anybody fumble like that. And then just astounding, you know, and then I had to get run back for a touchdown. Like, yeah, that was the other crazy part, like the fact that it got returned 98 yards for a touchdown. The longest fumble return in NFL history. And it's, um, man, like, and it sucks that that's what Huntley's going to be remembered for out of that playoff game. Because I got to tell you, Huntley played a great game. Like, I mean, great is, is a loose definition, but yeah. You're right. right. No, you're absolutely right. It is a loose definition, but you and I talk, you and I talk almost every day. Um, and I told you that I said Cincy by 20 once they ruled Lamar out. Um, so that was something that that was something that um, I was very proud of how he played. Um, he definitely went out there and played like a Raven. I mean, put, not put the ball in Dobbins hands, though. Boy, it's almost like the Raven. I mean, we've seen this somewhere before where you're on the one yard line and you need to score to go ahead in a game and you don't hand it to a running back and it's a turnover and it costs you the football game. Where else have we seen that? I will tell you this. The one, uh, the one big takeaway from this, from this game for me is, uh, thank you, Greg Roman for absolutely nothing. I saw a, I, I saw a, okay. Now hold on. Cause I'm going to take offense to this before you even get started. Why? His defense didn't play terrible. You look at his def- you look at what the defense did. Okay. They held Joe Burrow to 209 yards, only one touchdown, sacked him four times, held the Bengals below 39-48, 53 yards rushing, and caused the turnover. And if it wasn't for that long fumble recovery for a touchdown, they win the football game. How much have you drank today? Just saying. The because... defense didn't play awful if you look at this just the stats. Greg Roman is the offensive coordinator. Okay, so then, yeah, he gets fired. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm still hungover. <laughs> I'm still hungover from the Browns defense. Oh, my God. Speaking of, oh, oh, look at that. Dallas Goddard, touchdown. Philly I'm, is I'm, on the board. I'm still hungover from the Browns, which every Cleveland fan is perennially hungover from the Browns, who, oddly enough, did get a new defensive coordinator and former Lions head coach Jim Schwartz. Boy, if he can figure out how to use Miles Garrett and free him up, a full—I mean, there's a, there's hope for the Browns, and that's the scariest thing. Hope is the scariest thing you could ever have, and the Browns have hope. I absolutely just can we put that. a pin in the Raven season? It's please, done, right? Can we right. please put let's a pin move, in the Raven season? Let's move along. Let's talk about another season that went up in smoke thanks to a bad decision by a quarterback. The Giants, 31. The Minnesota Vikings, 24. As Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins himself. Do you want to that talk about that? That was a bad that? decision. Yeah, it was bad. Third and eight, so you throw a three-yard check down. 
and then you, I mean, you cost yourself the football game. You didn't even try. Like I get, you know, you put, you, you put the football in your playmaker's hands and hope he can break a tackle. And that's fine. If there wasn't a quarterback literally on top of him when he catches the football, like if there's any kind of space, if he has one yard of room, you throw it there, you let him turn and make a move and you see what you can get. But when the cornerback is touching him, you don't throw that check down. No, not at all. And that's what we had there. Uh, but that kind of overshadows what Daniel Jones did because Daniel Jones had himself a game. Daniel Jones played great. 78 yards on the ground, 301 through the air, two TDs, no turnovers, which was huge. Saquon Barkley, 56 through the air, 53 on the ground. Isaiah Hodgins, 105 through the air and a score. This was another case where a team had to play perfect football to win, and they played perfect football to win. And the Giants, the Giants did what the Giants needed to do, and Kirk Cousins cousined himself. And I want to go out on a limb and say this, too. If Philly, even if Philly wins tonight, and the Giants play another offensive game like that, because I do think the defense is not their strong suit. Have you been um, drinking? I know where this is going. Have you been drinking? I don't think you know where this is going. I, I'm just going to say, I, th- I think I think Daniel Jones has kind of proven himself now that he has a competent head coach to be a above average NFL quarter starting quarterback. He's Baker Mayfield with better PR. I mean, also with also a lot more athletic. Johnny Manziel and Baker Mayfield together with better PR and a smarter head. And taller. That's right. They were both really short. Weird. Maybe the Browns shouldn't draft a short quarterback. No, they just sign up. Never mind. How tall is um, Deshaun Watson? Pretty uh, tall, right? I'm pretty I, sure I, for that. For your is, sake, I hope. Look at the TV right now. I'm pretty sure that is Jinder Mahal as a security guard for Terry Bradshaw. Deshaun Watson's 6'2. Okay, so yeah. And how tall was. Uh, oh, wow. That catch by Goddard. One handed. That was yeah. impressive. Anyway. Um, let, let's, let's talk about something else. I mean, uh, Baker 6-1. Oh, why did, oh, thank you, Tony Grossi for the vanilla midget comment. That's why I think he's short. Cause Tony Grossi is a troll. You feel free to sue me, Tony Grossi, or block me on Twitter if you haven't already. But Daniel Jones is 6-5. That's pretty tall. Uh, the Buffalo Bills took care of the Miami Dolphins in dramatic fashion. 34-31. How'd you feel about this one, Dan? So I'm going to be honest with you here. Uh, this game should have been a blowout. I don't know what the Bills were doing. I'm worried for them tomorrow because Cincinnati fans have probably became my second most hated fan base at this point. Is it because uh, so, they're in the North? Uh, I definitely think that's part of it. And I also just think their cockiness has gone way up ever since they got one good player as a starting quarterback. And um, when you go outside of Carson Palmer, they haven't done anything. And they just now Whoa. got a pop-up tent. Um, Whoa. Go ahead. How dare you slander the good name of Andy Dalton? Andy Dalton and, and my boy Marvin Jones did nothing there. Oh, oh, wow, Dan. Wow. Jealousy is not a good look on you. Ed, tell me you well, enjoy Cincinnati fans. Oh, I don't. But I don't okay. enjoy them on principle. I don't enjoy Cincinnati Reds fans either on principle. The Cincinnati Cyclones, terrible fans of the ECHL team in Cincinnati. I'm a Wheeling Nailers fan. They're division rivals. That's a different thing. But I can't wait to see the Wheeling Nailers. They are Northern Kentucky, and they're terrible. They do not belong in Ohio. They're Northern Kentucky. They're, they're Kentuckians. Oh, H. Kentucky Aegons. You love that. You love that chant, too. Uh, oh, H. Oh, no. Um. Skylar Thompson, boy, you got to think if Tua, is, if Tua plays this game. <sighs> Skylar Thompson, 18 for 45, 220 yards, a TD, two picks, sacked four times. Now, Miami did themselves no favors running as bad as they did. But Skylar Thompson, and he, Thompson wasn't helped either with the drops that were pretty prevalent for Miami, but... I mean, Tyreek Hill, 15 targets, only seven catches. Some of those, he was just in the vicinity for a throwaway. Right. But still, that's that, that's that's bad. You know, it's super bad. 
and as we speak now, there is a I, delay. I have respect for Skylar Thompson, though. Just simply hold, hold on. Because... Before we get there, there is a delay in the uh, Philadelphia-New York game because the first down chains have broken. That is the de- They are in a delay right now to fix the first down chains. You would think do they would better. have a backup. Do like, better, NFL. That's uh, <laughs> the NFL we're talking about, too. Uh, Jeff Wilson also ran the football 10 times for 23 yards. He did have a touchdown, but but still. Uh, Josh Allen, 23 for 39, 352, three TDs, and two very bad interceptions, and he was sacked seven times. It's not good. It's not good at all. But in the end, Buffalo pulls this one out, and now we get to see Buffalo and Cincinnati. Do we not? We should see Buffalo and Cincinnati, right? We should see Buffalo and Cincinnati. Absolutely. Tomorrow afternoon, yes, we see Buffalo and Cincinnati. And Dan just changed his pick like a little. No, I didn't. I've had Buffalo in there. Oh, did you? All right. Well, there we go. Um, We'll get to our picks later on, but this game, you're right. I agree with you. This game should have gone somewhere else. And if two is in there, it does go somewhere else. Let's talk about another game, and this one shocked just about everybody that watched. Uh, we're talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars 31, Los Angeles Chargers 30. A last-second 36-yard field goal by Riley Patterson completed the monumental comeback as with, what, 25 seconds left of the second quarter Jacksonville was down 27 to nothing. And they stormed back to win this football game. Is this a case of Jacksonville coming back or Los Angeles being bad or the NFL being scripted? It is the case of Justin Herbert being the most overrated quarterback Ooh, in take. the NFL. Hot take. He is Phillip Rivers with a better pullout game, as you like to say. <laughs> oh, just oh, this. They got their. Okay, I cannot describe what is on my television right now. The backup chains are so tangled, they can't loosen them. Wow. This is the most Philadelphia Eagle thing I've ever seen. And it happens on a I'm giant drive, too. And I'm for sure. Uh, and they just the... tripped over the chains. Oh, God, please tell me they broke again. Please tell me they broke again. Oh, that would be so great. Anyway, all right, let's go back to what we were talking about. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, four interceptions in the first half. You know, I, I saw somewhere, and I can't remember where, and I can't remember when, and I can't remember who said it. I just remember the quote. That first half adjust, like adjustments at halftime are the most overplayed and ridiculous thing. Nobody makes adjustments at halftime. You stick to your game plan. You do what you, you have worked on all week. There are, there's no such thing as halftime adjustments. But I fail to believe that in Trevor Lawrence's case. As uh, bad as he was in the first half, that's how good he was in the second half. I don't fail to believe that. I, um, I don't know if there was a halftime adjustment. I think it might have just simply been Trevor Lawrence had the first half jitters. Is it possible that maybe the Chargers put it into cruise control? Because I think that was the case here. Anytime you go 27 to really 27 to nothing in the first half, I mean, Jacksonville scored with 24 seconds left on an Evan Ingram nine-yard catch, and then you score three points. And the only reason you scored three points was a 50-yard field goal. I think that's a case of a team coasting. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I kind of slightly agree with that. Um, but just speaking of Evan Ingram really quick, because, I mean, let's be honest, we didn't have a script coming into the show, so let's not act like we We really one. didn't. Yeah, we really didn't. Um, man, talk about a career resurgence after leaving New York. He's he's had a hell of a season here in um, in Jacksonville. Is it possible? Now, just devil's advocate here. Is it possible that maybe, just maybe, Doug Peterson is a good football coach? Uh, one, I 100% believe Doug Peterson is a good football coach. Secondary question. Ohio State. Oh, when H. Was the, when was the last time Ohio State put a 
I don't know, head coach into the NFL. When was the last? Okay. Nick Saban, Urban Meyer. Hugely successful head coaches. Won national championships at multiple programs. Okay. Saban is recruiting. Uh, now, granted, he's his own legend now. But Saban is recruiting off the, the, the A, the Alabama Crimson Tide. He, he's recruiting off that lore. And a lot of it he's built. But a lot of it also came from Bear Bryant. Urban Meyer recruited off of his name and off of Ohio State. So I want to ask you this, Dan. If you're putting together a recruiting class and you get to pick one head coach from a brand new college football team, okay, brand new, D1 school, are you taking Nick Saban to recruit your class or Urban Meyer? Now, mind you, Urban Meyer likes the party and can bring that party aspect to your to your recruiting class. So who do you pick? Oh, I'm taking Urban Meyer all day. It's not even close. Um, he's gonna, he's gonna get my players there. He's gonna show them a good time when he takes them out to the clubs. The ladies are gonna love him. It's gonna be all good times with Urban Meyer. And now we know how, why he had so many good recruiting classes. Lap dances everywhere. Okay, next question. What would be a bigger problem for the NCAA? Jim Trestle, who was also an Ohio State guy, paying his players to get tattoos and whatnot. Or Urban Meyer taking his players, and I'm not saying it's happened, out to a strip club. Urban Meyer. You think? Yeah. I mean, that costs Ohio State a national championship and a Heisman Trophy. But you're right. Getting lap dances is worse. Anyway, let's move on to the final game of the week. That was last week. The San Francisco 49ers surprised absolutely nobody by beating the Seattle Seahawks 41-23 in Levi Stadium in San, that's San Francisco, right? That's where Levi Stadium is. They don't play in like some outer city somewhere. Santa Clara. I stand corrected. They don't even play in San Francisco. Which, by the way, I'm going to say something. I'm going to get on my soapbox here. Teams that have a city in their name should actually have to play in the city limits of that city. You know what I mean? Like, if the Baltimore Orioles, they should have to play in Baltimore. Like, in the city of Baltimore. You know? If the Cleveland Browns were to play in Berea, Ohio. Or, like, I don't know, Elmstead. Instead of Cleveland. They shouldn't get to call themselves the Cleveland Browns. You know? If the, if the, if the St. Louis Blues play in East St. Louis... They shouldn't call themselves the St. Louis Blues. You know what I mean? But that's that's just a little pet peeve of mine. This game wasn't as close. Well, it kind of was as close as the score indicated. Well, closer even. Because at halftime, thanks to a Jason Myers 56-yard field goal, Seattle led at halftime 17-16, Dan. Yeah, and I think there were a lot of San Francisco fans that were worried. And then San Francisco woke up. I mean, I just feel like when your team's on, what, an eight, nine-game winning streak, I feel like, I mean, maybe it's just me, but I feel like it, I'm that person that has that thought, like, oh, man, we're due for a loss. Brock Purdy with a one-yard rush. Elijah Mitchell with a seven yards from Purdy. Debo Samuel, 74 yards from Brock Purdy. And a Robbie Gold field goal made this 41-17. to And in a matter of about 18 minutes of game time, this game went from 17-16 Seattle to 41-17 San Francisco. In a little over the span of a quarter. And then DK Metcalf tried to make things close with a three-yard pass from Geno. The two-point conversion failed. They were down by 18. And the game was the game was over long before then. But it's beside the point. I, I, I love having this conversation every year. You know what conversation that is, Dan? What's that? Where is Jimmy Garoppolo going to play next season? Because it seems like this is the fourth year in a row where we're talking about where Jimmy Garoppolo is going to play next season. I can tell you where he's not going to play. San Francisco. Yes. What about Trey Lance? Trey Lance will be the backup. Do you think so? Or... Oh, that is Big Cock Brock's team all day. No, 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 no. I'm not saying he should he should start over Brock Purdy. I'm saying he's going to get traded. I don't think they trade him. Because that is okay. a good that is a good contract to have mm-hmm. for your backup quarterback, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think they trade him right off the bat, right? Because now you have two cheap quarterbacks on your roster mm-hmm. um, that gives you the flexibility to keep all these key pieces around. 
Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna paint you a different scenario. Okay, the Cleveland Browns need a backup quarterback, and Trey Lance would run a similar offense to Deshaun Watson. A third round pick goes to San Francisco. The Browns get their backup quarterback. I don't think they I don't think they give him up for a third round pick. I'm gonna be honest with you. Well, I mean, the guy hasn't played a full season ever, and when he has played a full season, he's been less than okay. So do you want to roll with that as your backup? A guy who is you're probably going to be on your third string if he plays a significant amount of time. If Purdy goes down, can you count on Trey Lance to start five, six, seven games or so? Without I mean, getting yeah, hurt? You, you have to. Or do you go and get a Jacoby Brissett or a Geno Smith or somebody who has proven they have that ability to step in and play serviceably, if not better? I say both of them are gone, and you get whatever draft picks you can get. All right, so Brock Purdy. So obviously, you know me. I love to pull up the cap numbers. Sure. Brock Purdy is signed through 2025, and I think you will agree with me when I say he looks like a stud. Yeah. He looks like a stud in the making. Sure. And his total contract is only worth 3.66 mil. Oh, yeah, that's he's a holdout in two years. He's a holdout after next year. If the Niners go back to this point in the playoffs next year, he absolutely should hold out for more money. Here's the other. OK, so if they're doing anything with Trey Lance, they're definitely not cutting him. He's definitely getting traded. I agree with you on that. Um, but I just don't know if they that number is that number is kind of big. I won't lie. It's a, it's a nine. It's a nine, it's not as small as I thought it was. It's a nine point three mil cap not cap hit. Yeah, that that absolutely gets traded, especially with the cap projected not to go anywhere. Yeah, that um, now, granted, that's a rumor. I, mean, I haven't I haven't heard that for certain, but the cap's oh, not going anywhere. So, I mean, even with Trey Lance on the roster, there, they still have 16 million free cap space for next season. Right. But with all the free agents that are due, especially the free agent wide receivers, could you imagine what that offense would look like if they added another wide receiver to it? Boy. Talking about an embarrassment of riches, or they won't even have to play defense. Just go out there and score every drive. Um, but let's close the book on this uh, last week in football, as the Blues are now losing two to nothing. No, they're not. Don't tell yes, me that. They're losing two to nothing to Chicago with 154 left of the first. Anyway, let's talk about another quasi football story, and that is an NFL Hall of Famer getting into a fight at a basketball game. As Shannon Sharp made some headlines as he came to fisticuffs with, well, Jan, just tell me the story. What happened with Shannon Sharp at this basketball game? All right. So uh, Shannon Sharp essentially was sitting on the sideline and we all know he's a huge brown guy. And he said on, uh, on undisputed not too long ago, uh, how the, how the Grizzlies like to talk all that shit, but they ain't done nothing yet in so many words. Um, and he's not wrong. No, he's not wrong. Um, so he was going back and forth. I can't remember which player it was. Dylan Brooks, I want to say, started talking, right, yeah. started talking some shit to him. And then Ja told him uh, either shut the fuck up or sit the fuck down or something. And then uh, basically got into it. Nobody got thrown out of the stadium or out of the arena, which in a way is a little annoying because if that was a regular fan, oh, you're gone. You know, you're they, gone. Somebody made fun of LeBron sneakers the what was it three weeks ago and got kicked out like for his sneakers yo like so i mean it was cool to see like the interaction jaw's dad got into it with him and then jaw's dad also did say after the fact that he said the only thing that the only thing that went up was my blood pressure he said i got nothing but respect for shannon sharp it's just the heat of the moment but so i mean i guess everybody's cool in a sense i don't know maybe i'll be watching a little bit more undisputed here on monday see what happens Why? Why? Why would you give Skip Bayless any kind of your patronage? Oh, it's not necessarily Skip Bayless. Skip is Bayless. garbage. It's, it's more he is so a garbage just... human being. Cool. And you nothing. can you can block me on that too, Skip, or you can sue me. I don't care. But you're a garbage human being. You deserve to be treated like garbage. Anyway, out of all the people on the face of this earth to piss off, Shannon Sharp falls into the category of nope. I'm not gonna I, lie. I want to make. I would not want to make that that gentleman mad. He is a big dude. I was getting ready to say Shannon Sharp is kind of a big dude. Like you saw him standing. Like 
you saw him, he was wearing some pretty form-fitting clothing, and I'm like, yeah, Shannon Sharp's actually kind of a big dude. Yeah, I'm not going to screw with him at all. Not to mention, it's a good rule of thumb. You never mess with anybody that's in any Hall of Fame. Maybe maybe the bowling Hall of Fame. You could probably screw with a few of them. Maybe if there's a dart throwing Hall of Fame or a pool player Hall of Fame. I'm going to be honest. Them guys, but pool player it, or dart thrower, probably not. Bowler, maybe. But pool player or dart thrower, I don't think so. Well, and here's then, why. Like, if you never know if a dart player has their dart case in the back, and they mm-hmm. can hit that bullseye in your eye. And let me tell you something. You, you can talk shit to a pool player. But if they challenge you to a pool match, they can definitely jump a ball straight at your nuts or your right. head and or just take the cue and break it and their sponsor dude, will give them if, a new one. If, if I'm going to challenge a somebody in the pool playing Hall of Fame, I'm not I'm not going to accept their challenge to play a game of pool. I'm going to say no and then probably try to punch them in the face. I'm talking about a physical altercation. I, I feel like I would have a better shot, you know, punching a pool player. Hall of Fame guy in the face than Shannon freaking Sharp. Okay, you know? that's a fair statement. Like, if it, if anybody in the four major sports is in a Hall of Fame, probably just out of respect, I'm not going to screw with them. But if I do, it, it's it's not going to be Shannon Sharp. Because Shannon Sharp looks like he could still play at a pretty high level. Like, the dude's still beastly looking. I don't disagree with you. And I'm um, just saying, like, why hasn't he punched Skip Bayless in the face? Speaking of Hall of NFL Hall of Famers, um, it was I believe it broke today or, or yesterday that Ed Reed was going. Ed Reed was going to be the next basically NFL Hall of Famer to go coach at HBCU. Um, a bunch of stuff has happened, and the college is not ratifying his contract now. Um, he was committed to coaching there. He is no longer going to be the head coach. Um, and Dion has spoken out about this and talked about how, because there was a lot of backlash for Dion when he left. Okay, let's left. let's let's talk Texas about Dion State. leaving. Okay, if you're Dion Sanders, right, and you've made these promises to your to your commits and everything, and then you have the money that is being thrown at you by Colorado. Okay, Colorado University, the Bison, they're they're throwing this or the Buffalo or whatever they're called. They're throwing this money at you, right? And they're saying, come coach for us. And we'll give you, because right now they have, they have one of the best recruiting classes in the country. The best recruiting class Colorado has ever seen. And you're going to a conference that is easily winnable and a program you could easily turn around with top state-of-the-art facilities and more reach than an HBCU can give you. This is the next logical step in your progression. You would be stupid not to do that, right? Oh, no, 100%. I, I ain't giving him any shit for it um, at all. I mean, I am trying to see where Colorado does rank currently because I am just curious. Um, so I'm looking at 24-7 sport. Anyway. What, what division are they, Pac-12? I uh, believe they're Big Ten. No, they're Pac-12. Colorado's Pac-12. Are they really? Hmm. Yeah. I mean. Are you sure? I'm positive. I'm I'm looking at it right now. Are you going to question me on this? No. I mean, I'm literally looking in front of it. I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. I don't know. Um, they ra- just... they they pulled the top ranked national uh, top ranked quarterback prospect. Um, yeah, they're now in the top twenty five. Uh, they rank third in national nas- nationally for transfers, and twenty uh, fourth overall. So yeah, that's they're they're pretty good. They're they're, they're pretty good, and that's, just, go ahead. that's no, keep, largely keep because of Dion. So you know, whatever happened with Ed Reed is whatever happened with Ed Reed, and and that's neither here nor there. I don't know enough to speak about it, and I'm not going to pretend to know enough to speak about it. I know you're an Ed Reed guy, but yeah, I I, mean, a... I never liked the guy on sheer principle, but I also never liked Ray Lewis either. You know. Did you see that play by Daniel Jones? I did, and uh, it, snap, this, got a, and still still through. And this, then uh, technically that could have been a late hit. Well, just wait until you see the next play. Um. Anyway, let's talk about another. God, I hate how you're ahead of me. Let's talk about another NFL player, and this is actually Jesus Christ. Good news, as Peyton Hillis has been discharged from the hospital. He was hospitalized with life-threatening injuries after saving children from drowning. 
this is much in the same way if you're a wrestling fan that uh, took care of um, wasn't Shad Gaspar or um, who was uh, Crime Time, JTG, right? Or it was Shad Gaspar that died? You're right. It was Shad Gaspar who died saving children from drowning. At much the same way, Peyton Hillis, if if you guys don't know, was a former Madden uh, cover athlete and was a fullback for the Browns and one of the most electric players the Browns have had in a long time. And that's saying a lot, given the fact we had Johnny Manziel and Baker Mayfield. But Peyton Hillis was one of those guys you just absolutely loved. He left Cleveland to go to Kansas City and his career ended. But um, it's good to see him him recovering. And A batting cover boy. Yeah, he was on the cover of Madden. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just super, super good guy. I, I liked him. I actually had a Hillis jersey that I wore until it fell apart. Um, he was, it was actually the first Browns jersey I, I had. It was, uh, it was the jersey he wore on the cover of Madden 12. And uh, it's good to see him come back and, and basically be alive, you know, uh, with as much bad stuff as the NFL has had over the last couple of weeks. Good to get a good story, you know. So I got good. something interesting for you here, because as we're just per- talking in perusing, the 49ers, um, the 49ers name Ran Carthen. Um, I'm sorry, the Tennessee Titans name Ran Carthen, top 49ers executive, is new GM. And then our boy Trey Lance that we were just talking about posted a picture of Ran with fingers crossed emoji. Is Trey Lance mm-hmm. trying to jockey to get traded to the Tennessee Titans? Well, who's over there now? Tannehill. Tannehill? Yeah. Boy, it wouldn't be the first time we've seen Tannehill lose his job because of a quarterback coming in, would it? Whew. Could you imagine? I mean, look, I'm just saying, could you imagine a um, a RPO with Trey Lance and Derrick Henry? Could you imagine Derrick Henry in a run-pass option? I'll be honest. That's not a Titans team I would want to see. Well, that's assuming Derrick Henry has another Derrick Henry year this year. And this well, is not that's very, that's very true. And it's and that's assuming Trey Lance can stay healthy, or else we could see, you know, Ryan Tannehill and whoever they get to back up Derrick Henry. Um so yeah, let's talk about a few other things. I have a did you know, Dan. Did you know every AFC title game since twenty seventeen has featured the Kansas City Chiefs. And what other team? Do you want me to? Do you want me to actually guess? The Blake Bortles-led Jacksonville Jaguars. They've really been in every AFC Championship game since 2018. Kansas City has. Yes, Kansas City has, with the exception of the 2018 when Jacksonville made it. So 19, 20, 21. To, uh, I guess they have gone four straight. Yes, they have. I believe this was the first year in the playoffs that the Steelers or the Colts have not been in the playoffs. In like 25 years, yeah. Yeah. And then um, I believe it was, oh no, this was the first time in 25 years the Steelers or the Packers? No, it it just AFC. Steelers, Patriots, uh, Colts, and there was one other team that they had in in the graphic I saw as well. That I thought was very interesting. Well, this is kind of bizarre world NFL. I mean, let's let's be honest here. This is rough, man. Like this is a weird NFL NFL year, and it's only going to get worse. I mean, like, are we it, really upset about it though? No, not really. I mean, it is what it is. But still, and because Jacksonville lost to Kansas City earlier today. We don't have to worry about if the WWE is going to send Tony Khan a world championship if Jacksonville wins the Super Bowl. Uh, there, I mean, there's really no good time to bring this up. But speaking of Tony Khan, he made a very sad announcement um, about Jay Briscoe. Um, uh, no, 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 no. Do not give Tony Khan credit for that. Well, that well, you were the one that sent me the tweet. That was not Tony Khan making an announcement. That was the um, first responders of that area and everyone else making that announcement. Tony Khan had nothing to do with that other than the fact that Time Warner did not let them have a Briscoe tribute show. 
for whatever reason. And that's an unconfirmed report as well. So basically to fill you guys in on what happened, uh, the Briscoes, the Briscoe brothers are one of the most popular independent tag teams probably ever. Would you say pretty fair? I would say so. And I mean, they were, I would also say they were influential, influ, influ, mm, easy for you to say influential, influential in tag team wrestling as, as a whole. Uh, but basically was it's Jay Briscoe, right? Yeah, yes. he, he was taking his daughters somewhere. Um, I, I believe it was school or a recital or something and was hit head on and died on the scene. And uh, as is, as did one of his daughters, I believe the other driver and his other daughter, I, as far as I know, have survived. Um, there's nothing that's been out about, you know, if any, there was anything involved with anything or or who was at fault or anything like that. All we know is that Jay Briscoe has died. And this happened earlier in the week. AEW wanted to do a tribute show on Dynamite, and Time Warner shut them down. Unconfirmed report. Uh, they did film a Ring of Honor tribute show after the fact. That um, did get filmed, and you know they were able to do things for the Ring of Honor brand, because he, he did wrestle in Ring of Honor a lot. But, oh my God, he was a Ring of Honor staple, and I mean, yeah. what some would call, I mean, hands down a Ring of Honor Hall of Famer. Well, if you put the Briscoes together as a as a tag team, they are definitely on the Ring of Honor Mount Rushmore. You have CM Punk, you have Brian Danielson, you have the Briscoes, the Briscoes, and then I'm gonna say Adam Cole. To be honest, you can put Adam Cole. I would have gone with and uh, Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal is another one, yes. You know, but the Briscoes are definitely one of the four entities on that list. And, you know, it, it's it's heartbreaking, especially to for, you know, not just for the wrestling community to lose one of the most talented people alive, but for that family as well, losing a daughter as well, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, anytime anytime a child is injured like that, it sucks. And this this sucks. And to talk about the impact that he have, I mean, granted, it, obviously they're gonna tweet out nice things, but Triple H even, you know, tweeted out and acknowledged that the impact that he has on fans and just in wrestling as a whole, the tag team era, like what he did. I mean, on Friday on SmackDown last night, you saw Kevin Owens with the with the J armband. Right. Um, I'll tell you one thing. Um, it wrestling sucks. Right. Oh, I should wrestling fandom sucks because the only people that are keeping the tribalism alive between AEW and the WWE and everything else are the fans. You know, say what you will, guys from the AEW, guys from the WWE, whatever. They, um, wow, is that a change of quarterback? They, um, helmet issue. Yeah, looks uh, looks like. like a finger, actually. Um, the only people that are keeping that alive are the fans. You know, you can sit there and you can, you let's go, can Ty Rod. You can hate on, um, you can hate on, um, you know, you can see guys like Jericho. Oh, it's a contact it's contact. He lost his contact. There you go. Um, but you can see guys like Jericho and guys like guys like, um, what do you call his name? Uh, Cody Rhodes and all that stuff, you know, breaking the, the iron throne or talking about brass rings and what have you. But in the end, they're all a part of the same industry. They're all a part of the same brotherhood and they don't care. You know, they, everybody gets a pay. Well, I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of people get paychecks from a lot of places, but they all do the same thing. You know, it's the equivalent of, you know, Daniel Jones tweeting out about how much he hates Philadelphia, but will still sit there and pray if Jalen Hurts tears up his leg. Perfect example, the Bengals and, and the Bills, you know, that's a, that's a game that has major playoff implications. And those teams, there's no love loss between those two teams. They are very good and dislike each other. But when that Bill's safety got hurt, everybody stood together. You can have a professional dislike for somebody, but you also have a professional respect. And that is something these fans, these tribalistic dumbasses, need to realize it's not all pro-WWE. And AEW doesn't completely suck. And the WWE doesn't completely suck. And not everything should be pro-AEW. And, you know, you shouldn't just watch New Japan or you shouldn't just watch Dynamite or you shouldn't just watch Rampage or Raw or SmackDown or whatever the hell's going on. 
watch wrestling to watch wrestling and support your guys. Enjoy it. Yeah, because there may be a time in the not-too-distant future, because we almost saw it a couple of times, where there won't be any professional wrestling, at least in the mainstream. And if a certain sale goes through... Yeah, that's another thing for another time, because that is a whole show we need to talk about. Um, just want to point something out that you're going to laugh at me about. The Chicago Blackhawks are beating the Blues 2 to nothing at the end of the first period. The Blues are up now 3-2, aren't they? Oh, no, no, no. The Blackhawks have three shots on goal. Who's in goal? Is it Grace or, or Bennington? Grace. Um... I don't know, but I, I and I'm pretty sure I don't want to know. Uh, let's see. Oh, it is Jordan Bennington. He has made one save on three shots. Now, granted, I haven't seen the goals. They could be fantastic goals that are set up beautifully, but he has made one save on three shots, and it's the end of the first period. I can tell you something that has been fantastic in hockey, and that is the Kraken on the road sweep the first time ever in NHL history. Seven-game road trip. They won seven games, and that is impressive. Um, you know, while we're here, and while there are many, many games in play, in fact, I believe 15 games on – or see, 13 or 15 games, so all of the league is playing pretty much. Uh, let's talk about these standings. Carolina leads the Metropolitan Division with 64 points, two up on New Jersey, shocking, with a 28-9-8 and record. New Jersey, 29-12-4. and Four. You have the Rangers sitting at 57 points, 25, 14, and 7. A point ahead of Washington and four points ahead of Pittsburgh. So you have that. Boston just doesn't lose. 36, 5, and 4. Although they, they did, did lose, lose their first home game. Home game. <laughs> to, to Seattle. The Kraken. So a little bit of history made there. 36, 5, and 4. They have 76 points. Now... This is ridiculous because of the fact that Boston has the chance to secure a playoff spot before the trading deadline. Now, granted, a lot of things would have to happen, and Boston, who's on a four-game heater, an 8-1-1 in their last 10, would have to continue this for a long, long time. But this is unheard of, especially if this is the last ride for several of them Boston veterans, like it has been rumored to be. But great, Guga Muga, this is ridiculous. Uh, Toronto sits with 28, 11, and 7. 13 points behind Boston with 63 points. 63 points. points. With 63 points. That leads two other divisions and is second (coughs) and, well, okay, third in the other one. But still, I mean, there is a clear cut. I mean, there, there is a clear cut better conference at the top end of it. Tampa Bay, 29, 15, and 1 with 59 points. Rounds out the top three in the Atlantic. And then you have... Florida, the surprising Buffalo team, who I believe beat Anaheim today in a matinee. Can we talk about that for a second? The Anaheim Ducks played in Buffalo at noon today, which is 9 a.m. California start. Yes. And before my XM radio subscription crapped out on me, it was four to three with like six minutes to play. So I'm going to assume Buffalo won that game. In fact, uh, they yeah, did. they did. It was a they 6-3, did. 6-3 final. So there you go. Um, and this is a question I want to bring to you. Okay. Now I'm a blues fan. This is no secret. Basically the blues traded Tage Thompson for Ryan O'Reilly. There were other pieces involved. Patrick Berglund was in there too, but Berglund's out of the league. I believe there's, there was a few other pieces as well, but essentially it was Tage Thompson for Ryan O'Reilly. Ryan O'Reilly is the captain of the blues and will probably be traded at some point this season. He is hurt right now. He won the Blues, the Selkie, and the Conn Smythe, and the Stanley Cup. Tage Thompson is a bright young player with a massive future who is having a career year and looks on the number one line with, with, with Buffalo and looks to be a star. So this is a case of the Blues trading the future for the present and succeeding. If you're St. Louis, and you could go back and do it again, 54-year drought in the Stanley Cup. And he is the piece to end it. Now, granted, the Blues didn't know he was going to be the piece because through January, the Blues were in last place with I'm O'Reilly. Still making, I'm still making that trade. You're still making that trade? Yes. I, I believe that that is – they made the right trade there. Okay. Fair and enough. 
I mean, let me tell you why, right? Okay, like you said, hold on, 50- hold on. What, one last question. Sure. What would Tage Thompson have to do for a career to make that a bad trade for the Blues? Can he do anything? No. I mean, he can have a he can have a Hall of Fame career and bring Buffalo three Stanley Cups. Mm-hmm. As a Blues fan, you may look back at that and be like, "Oh man, he could have brought me three Stanley Cups." But you also don't know what you're gonna what your roster will look like at that point to know whether or not that would have panned out in the same light, right? Like mm-hmm. you like you said, you didn't know O'Reilly was gonna be that piece. But essentially, he did end up being that piece, and he played well for you guys. And he, I believe he's going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that's why he's going to get traded at the end of the year. So that doesn't mean that you guys, that he can't come back. I mean, he's the Blues captain. Who's to say that there's not like a wink-wink handshake deal in place? Like, hey, we're going to go get this piece, and then we're going to come out, and we're going to try to come come for you again. I mean, obviously that doesn't happen all the time, but it has happened previously. I mean, look at Pujols. He he ended up going back to where he started. So, I mean, I think it's a possibility, but I I just don't think Blues fans should really question that move just because you did get that cup. And, I mean, there's teams out there like Toronto that can have have a a, a perennial player in, in Austin Matthews or in Edmonton with a Connor McDavid, and those players may never see a cup. Let me tell you something. This has happened once before, and it happened with the Blues. Because the best Blues player of all time, and I don't think this is questionable, is Brett Hall. Okay, he started his career with Calgary, and on March 7th, 1988, Calgary traded him to the Blues for Rob Ramage and Rick Walmsley. Steve Bozak also went to St. Louis from Calgary. Later that year, uh, let's see, 87, the 87-88 season. Okay, so let's go there. Um... They lost in the division finals to Edmonton, as a lot of people did in the playoffs around that time. The following year, they won the Stanley Cup. Okay? And that's a case where the Blues traded for a Hall of Fame player. And they traded Rob Ramage, who was very well-liked, who finished with 16 points, was a plus 26, and 156 penalty minutes in Calgary to win that Stanley Cup. And Rick Walmsley, who was the backup to Mike Vernon, who still went 11-7-4, and four, although he had an 881 save percentage. But still, I mean, he only a 296 goals against average because that's how good, with two shutouts for Calgary in that Stanley Cup run, because that's how good Calgary's defense was. They, they gave up that few shots. Beside the point, Calgary made the deal to trade away a bright young star, maybe a little disgruntled the way Tage Thompson was because Thompson was lost in the depth chart in St. Louis and, and won a cup with what they got back. Right. I mean, I don't, so I don't, we've seen this before. I don't think you can really be super upset about that at all. And I mean, if you're Calgary, do you want to do that trade? Do you no. trade in that Stanley Cup for Brett Hall for 15 years? To play with guys like Jerome McGinlaw and... Theo Fleury and Al McKennis, although Hall and McKennis did team up uh, four or five years or uh, five years later in St. Louis. Uh, Joey Mullen, another former blue. Doug Gilmore, another former blue. There was a lot of turnover between Calgary and St. Louis around that time as well. There's a lot of former blues and former uh, former um, flames on both of those teams. Pip Linsky, I believe, was a former blue. Mark Hunter was a former blue. Um, I think McCrimmon. Uh, Gary Suter, Rick Natras was a former blue. Uh, well, I'm, I'm done talking about the blues now because the blues are now down three, nothing two minutes into the second period. Yeah. I should probably be done talking about the blues too. Although I'm talking about blues history, which makes me happier than. And one of those goals in the first period was a shorthanded goal. So. Which meant it was probably a breakaway and Bennington does not do well on breakaways. Yeah, Although it is three to one blues did just score. Okay. They did just score Cairo. Hey, that's my boy. Um, but yeah, we maybe should be talking about this 14 to nothing uh, game as. Well, let's finish talking Billy. about the standings here because that's where we oh, went yeah, off track. Yeah, okay. Let's finish yeah. talking about these standings because uh, we got to get to the Western Conference. Well, in the West, we have the Central Division led by the Dallas Stars narrowly as they have a 27 13 and 7 record with 61 points. They are two points ahead of Winnipeg, but Winnipeg has a game in hand. 29, 16, and 1. Minnesota has two games in hand, but sit well back 
as they only have 54 points, 25, 16, and 4, followed by Colorado, who is three points behind Minnesota, 24, 17, and 3, although we should call them Springfield, given all the injuries that they have had. And then the Blues come in, 23, 20, and 3, NHL 5, over NHL 500, actually. Uh, they are they have won two in a row. Colorado has won four in a row. Well, everybody else in that division, this is a mediocre division. We said this division was going to be a lot closer than what it was. And to a certain extent, we're right. We just got the teams at the top wrong. Because yeah. three, three through six are only separated by uh, six points. And three through six are three of the teams that we thought would be at the top of the division. Yeah, uh, not good. Um, uh, and then we in. completely got the Pacific wrong. Well, well, speak for yourself. I completely got the Pacific wrong. The Seattle Kraken, 45 games played, 27, 14, and 4, lead the Pacific with 58 points. Same amount of points that Vegas has, but Seattle is 8 and 2 in their last 10. Yeah, so Seattle, they have, they Seattle have also has two, have two games in hand on Dallas for the number one overall seed in the, in the, in the Western, and they have a game in hand on, on Vegas. Who sits with 28, 16, and 2. So tiebreakers there in the NHL are ridiculous, and tiebreakers are going to come in handy. Uh, Vegas has also lost their last three. So Vegas was sitting atop of that division. Taint no mo. Uh, the Los Angeles Kings have come out of nowhere 25, 16, and 6, with 56 points through 47 games. They have lost two in a row, while Edmonton is charging 26, 18, and 3, winners of their last five. 55 points, just a point behind the Kings. Calgary is in the mix as well. Two points back of the Oilers, 22-16, and nine losses in the overtime or the shootout. Nine losses. That's rough. That's very rough. And then you have the the people that are the, the lottery picks. And this is this is pretty interesting because Vancouver is having themselves just a – a shit show of a year. So they sit at 39. San Jose is at 37. Arizona, 33. Anaheim, 31. Chicago at 30, pending however the Blues play. And, but Chicago's also only played 43 games. So they could conceivably wreck their chances for Connor Bedard or whatever franchise player is going to come out of this. But nobody sucks as bad as the Columbus Blue Jackets, 13, 30, and 2. Yeah. And um, they are they are cruising to a uh, what we I would like to say is a um, number one overall pick. And let me just tell you something. I was extremely excited for the Blues this year, Ed, and you know that. And let me tell you something. If they get a Connor Bedard on the line with a jo- with a Johnny Gaudreau and a Patrick Laine, you mean Laine, and you mean uh, the Blue Jackets, not the Blues. Yeah, well, yeah, the Blue Jackets. Um, I mean, if they can get some goaltending. Ooh, that might be a high-powered offense. And if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, but dude, although the NHL draft lottery is done a lot different than what the NBA does, it's just it's so volatile. Although they did change it to where you can only drop two spots in the draft, which is just ridiculous. But um, I was listening to the NHL Network the other day, and I can't tell you the guys' names because I just can't remember them. And they were doing a draft um, simulator, the draft lottery simulator, to see who got the number one overall pick. And I heard them call Arizona. I heard them call Chicago. And I even heard them call St. Louis if they went off the standings that were there. Uh, Columbus missed. I think they did it six times. Columbus missed on each one of them. All right. So I just did it once. The top two are Anaheim and Montreal. I'm simming it again. Columbus got it the second time. Philly jumped up to second, jumped up seven spots. Yeah, exactly. Chicago so. jumped up too. Philly jumped up. Philly jumped up to the first spot this time. Columbus has had it two out of five well, so far. Well, Dan, we're gonna Pretty have good. we're gonna have plenty of time to talk about this, and we're gonna have plenty of time to talk about everything else in the sporting world. But we don't have any time to talk on this show because this show has come to an end. Dan, as always, great show, buddy. Um, we're gonna come back to you next week. We're gonna do a wrestling show next week. We're going to talk Rumble. about we are going to talk about the Royal Rumble and we're going to we're going to, as usual, talk about some football stuff. But we are going to go predominantly wrestling next week. The return of the Caps Locks and Chair Shots podcast next week. We'll fill you in on more details. Stay tuned to our Facebook page, the Sports Dispatch, where you can get all of the info memes that I am creating for you guys. 
check us out there. That's the Sports Dispatch on Facebook. You can find this podcast there as well. But Dan, as always, we'd like to thank you all for listening. And just remember, your team's not doing so hot. It can always be the players we named later who can make it better. See ya!